Well, good morning. <clears throat> we were going to talk about making a joyful noise to the Lord this morning, but I don't think I need to do that. <laughs> we'll give it a shot anyway. <clears throat> well, we're going through the book of Luke, so go ahead and turn there. Chapter 1, we just began a few weeks ago. The angel Gabriel came to uh, Elizabeth and her husband, Zacharias. Actually, Zacharias in the in the uh, temple announced a birth, and then he uh, had another assignment um, several months later, and that was to go to Mary and make a birth announcement to her. And now they're going to get together and share their enthusiasm. Beginning in verse uh, 39 of Luke chapter 1. Now, Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant, for behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. <clears throat> it's not your typical conversation. We're going to call this when a sudden outburst is a good thing. I think too often we get caught up in the daily grind and we forget God's countless blessings. You ever, ever guilty of that? Yeah, me too. And yet, um, our hearts really should overflow. If anybody should have something to sing and get excited about, it's us. And you certainly see it here in the passage. I think that's why God included this wonderful little conversation here. To encourage us, you know, not to remain silent so the stones don't have to cry out. So for a little background here before we get into um, the actual exchange between Elizabeth and, and Mary. We talked uh, last time that uh, in the announcement to Mary, and remember, as I said before, we don't often think about this. This was a trial for Mary, okay? It was a hard time. She's not married and she's pregnant. 
And first she had to tell her husband, and, and he didn't believe her. We saw that last time. And it, so it wasn't until uh, uh, an angel appeared to Joseph in his dream that he was finally convinced. So that was a tough time. Imagine trying to talk to Joseph and say, but wait a minute, an angel came and told me, you know, that's why I'm pregnant. Pregnant. And um, it's really uh, wonderful of the Lord, I believe, because toward the end of the announcement, uh, Gabriel had said this in verse 36. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. That was a little clue for Mary to give her somebody to talk to. Isn't that wonderful? And uh, it's, so it's no wonder that we see here in the beginning of our passage, now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste. You know, I want to talk to someone that understands, you know. And uh, for uh, a young woman expecting her first child, uh, who better than another woman who's expecting a child <clears throat> and a relative to boot and someone whom the same angel had spoken to? Pretty good, huh? That's really from the Lord. <clears throat> so I thought about this. You know, Mary is really going to get encouraged, by the way, through this visit. And it's all from God. It's all from the Lord. The Lord saw the need here and dropped that little hint in the announcement of Gabriel. But she could have missed it. I think we do that sometimes. We, we're going through a trial. And because we're not looking for the blessings of God, we'll miss them. You know, so I think it's wonderful that Mary didn't miss this wonderful blessing that God uh, had for her. What's wonderful about it is that um, it, did you notice she didn't get there and say, oh, Elizabeth, I have something wonderful to tell you. I don't know how to begin. Listen, <clears throat> it happened. Verse 41, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. That the babe leaped in her womb. And then Elizabeth speaks. All, all Mary said was, hey, Elizabeth. And that's it. Elizabeth just uh, opens up, being filled with the Holy Spirit, by the way. Okay. So she says things here that she wouldn't otherwise know. Uh, now, the word she uses here, she says leaped. I don't think we use that. We say the baby kicked, right? You know, I've, I've had that experience. Pardon me, on my wife's tummy. <laughs> You know, put it right here. No, wait. There, did you feel that? You know. <clears throat> and so that's the experience Elizabeth had. But this was no ordinary kick. In fact, she explains to her that um, it was due to you coming, Mary. That's why the baby leaped in my womb. She wouldn't know that, except God the Holy Spirit had uh, worked in her to understand that. <clears throat> Um, it's wonderful, by the way, uh, verse 42, it says, then she spoke out with a loud voice. That's why I said this is when an outburst is a good thing. She's she's uh, talking about the wonderful things in the great works of God. OK, that's a time to get excited. We get excited about a lot of things, don't we? A lot of things that aren't worth getting excited about, in fact. The works of God and who he is, what he's done for us. Now, that's worth getting excited about. And Elizabeth gets excited. By the way, um, when I first uh, prepared for this, 
I thought I was going to call this two excited people. But you know that there are three. Yeah. Mary, Elizabeth. And what did she say in verse 44? What did Elizabeth say? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb. What? For joy. John's excited. That is so cool. So all three people in the room are excited about what God has done and is doing, including John. Uh, and you can imagine now, Mary has had probably conflicting feelings. She's certainly excited and, and joyful about what God is doing. And at the same time, like I said, she's going through a trial. She's looking ahead to when she's going to have to face people. And they're going to trace, you know, to when she got pregnant. And it was before they got married. And she had to live with that for the rest of her lives. Maybe some believed her. I would imagine most didn't. We know certainly up in her own province in Galilee, you know, they didn't think much. Of Jesus, oh, we know who he is. He's Mary's son, you know. So I, I think God did this deliberately to encourage her and strengthen her, you know, for uh, the time ahead. <clears throat> okay, uh, let's look at uh, what Elizabeth said, being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that uh, three times she uses the word blessed or, or blessed uh, to uh, Mary. First time. She says in verse 42, first word, blessed. Blessed are you among women. Number one, Mary's blessed. Number two, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Talking about the Messiah. And then uh, again about Mary, verse 45, blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And of course, again, that's uh, Mary. It's interesting if you look at the way she speaks here. Um, look at verse 43. Look at her attitude. She says, but why is this granted to me? That the mother of my Lord should come to me. What an incredible statement. huh? <laughs> She's talking about the baby in uh, Mary's womb and calls him her Lord. He's not even born yet. Now, she again, she wouldn't have said that except the Holy Spirit would have uh, revealed that to her. But uh, the point is, she said, I'm so privileged, you know, to have you here with me, Mary. Thank you for coming. And uh, to call him my Lord. Of course, that's um, echoing uh, David in Psalm 101. Remember, the Lord said to my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies uh, thy footstool. David was talking about the Messiah and calling him his Lord, even though he was his great, 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 who knows how many greats, grandfather. And again, I think it's wonderful. She said as soon as immediately, as soon as Mary just said the greeting. uh, John got excited. Okay, and uh, finally, something about what Mary said, she said here, blessed is she, verse 45, who believed. That, that's God speaking through Elizabeth and uh, just reminding Mary and us how important it is when we just take him at his word. You remember after all the Gabriel had said, and I'll tell you, this is uh, quite a big thing to be told this all at one go. She said at the very end in verse 38, remember, uh, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. 
Here I am. Whatever the Lord wants, I'm ready. She believed the Lord. That's important because if you remember in the case of Zacharias, um, back in verse uh, 20, just look back there real quick. Elizabeth's husband, when he was told, then he's, look what uh, Gabriel responded, but behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Zacharias didn't believe. And so I, I don't know what to say. He didn't, God didn't punish him. You know, he, he made him mute for nine months so he couldn't talk. It, things could be a lot worse, I'll tell you. You know, but it was a, a, a reminder to uh, Zacharias. Listen, when I say something, believe it. As Mary did. <clears throat> now, um, you may sit in there and you say, well, wait a minute, give the guy a break. It, it wasn't the Lord speaking, it was an angel. You know, he wasn't disbelieving God, he was disbelieving an angel. Uh, no, Gabriel indicated from the things that he had said that he had to be from the Lord. He knew what, for example, he knew what Elizabeth and uh, uh, Zacharias had been praying. He talked about it. I know your, your prayers, you know, and many other things. So he was clearly from the Lord. Also, it's interesting. I don't know if you noticed at the end of verse 45, it was Gabriel that spoke to Mary, right? But what does it say? Uh, blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Not Gabriel. Interesting, huh? Yeah. She believed that uh, the Lord had spoken, and that was enough for her. Now you say, <clears throat> oh, yeah, well, that's interesting. I mean, I don't know how I'm going to apply it to my life. I don't know when the last time I spoke to an angel was, you know, or the next time. Don't, don't we have any kind of, you know, something we can hear from the Lord? That's not exactly him speaking directly to us in a voice. You know, can you think of anything that, you know, might be kind of like that? Not exactly an angel. What do you think? Yeah, exactly. He, he looks for that, for us to just simply take him at his word. That's faith, that mystical word. It simply means believing God when he says something. Okay, <clears throat> so, so far we've had uh, two outbursts of joy. First, John, he started the whole thing by jumping. And then Elizabeth, in a loud voice. And then finally, of course, Mary's uh, wonderful prayer, praise, song, Whatever you want to call it, it has a name. You've probably heard it. it's called the Magnificat. You ever heard that before? Mary's Magnificat. Uh, we're stuck with all these ancient words that aren't in the Bible, and that's one of them. It's from Latin, meaning the word she uses here, magnify. Okay, so nothing mystical about it. In fact, really, the uh, the original word for there that's from the Greek that uh, uh, is in here is mega. Okay. Imega, the Lord. Well, what on earth does that mean? <clears throat> it's, it's similar to magnify. Enlarge. It means to make great. Okay? Well, you're, you're wondering, well, how can Mary make the Lord great? He already is great. Right? What it means is, is to, 
uh, in your words and your actions, make it so that he is shown to be great to people around you. Okay? I think sometimes the God we communicate to the world and to each other is about that big. Right? You know? I say that all the time to um, uh, people when I get into a, a discussion of uh, evolution. Because when you get right down to it, you know what the thing that bothers them most is? It's that they cannot conceive that God could simply speak and all of this stuff would come into being like that. You know what I say? I say, your God's too small. It's not that God can't do it. It's that, it's that this God you've pictured in your mind is too dinky. Okay? You need a, a God like the real God. And so Mary's magnifying the Lord. She's talking about how great he is. And we need to do that. Okay, so we're going to look at her Magnificat here. First, we're going to look at it uh, very quickly here just to see uh, in proper Bible study. We're going to be good Bible students here this morning. You want to begin with observation and then interpretation. We'll do that as we look at what does Mary, what is she thinking when she says this? What does she mean by these words? And we'll actually have some correlation. Then we'll come back and we'll do it in application. We'll see how it applies to us. So, um, she begins by saying, my, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in uh, God, my Savior. She's magnifying the Lord. We talked about that. Wonderful Psalm 45. The psalmist says, my heart is overflowing with a good theme. Is your heart overflowing? It's a good word. It means... Uh, I don't have to work at it, you know, <laughs> kind of like the old pump that's dry, you know. But uh, it's the natural overflow of our hearts. That's what the psalmist meant. My heart is overflowing with a good thing. And I love that phrase. You never, you're not going to see words like this anyplace else. He said, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Isn't that good? A ready writer. That's a guy. He's ready to write right now. OK, here I am. Start talking. You know, my tongue, he says, I'm ready to start talking about how great the Lord is and the great things he's done. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. You know, we're, we're so quick to talk about other things that excite us. The thing that should be on the, t- as we say, on the tip of my tongue is the Lord and what he's done. I hope you're going to enjoy heaven. You know, you're going to be doing that forever. What if there's anybody here thinking, man, that sounds boring. You know, I I don't know how to tell you this, but this is what you were made for. Do you know that? You were designed by God to worship him, to know him and to serve him. That's how you were made. It's like cars are made to drive on the road, you know. You were created for that. Now, you say, well, I don't feel like that. No, that's because sin has is, is messed you up so much. But that can be taken care of. He'll take care of that. And he'll put you back in your right frame of mind the way you were designed in the first place. And even in this world, you get a taste. All of a sudden, now, hey, the, the most exciting thing I can do is praise the Lord. 
and I get to do it forever. Okay, no distractions. No, uh-oh, it's 12 o'clock, I'm done, you know. Heaven, praising the Lord forever. Notice uh, in verses uh, 46 and 47, she tells us something here. She says, this joy of mine, this, this praise for God is coming from deep within. Do you notice that? She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. She says, and my spirit has rejoiced. This is, this is from inside. This is not something you work up. I want to stress that, okay? I haven't turned charismatic this morning. All right? I don't want you to sit here and try to, I got to get excited, man. Help me get excited. No. And the thing is, I can't make it happen for you. If you're a Christian, I can tell you this, based on this book, God has put a new song in your heart. Now, why would he put a new song in your heart? What do you do with songs? Yeah, you usually sing them, huh? Yeah. Paul and I were talking about that last week. It blew him away when I showed him in Ephesians 5 that he's commanded to sing. He liked it. He was glad. Right, Paul? Amen. Sing that new song. Uh, I'm a product of the 60s. I'm a baby boomer. Went to high school all through the 60s, you know. And um, I don't know if they still have the phrase. Back in that day, uh, they had a thing called soul food. You ever heard of soul food before? Yeah? Good stuff. I used to work at the Oakland Army Terminal down at the end of uh, <clears throat> 7th Street in Oakland and had a couple of friends that uh, drove forklifts and they'd take me over to some of the places there and have soul food. Man, I'll tell you, it was good. Barbecue and bean sandwiches. Ever had a bean sandwich? That's soul food, man. I miss those. Those are good. Well, that's what Mary's talking about. This is real soul food. Feasting on the Lord, you see. I love that when the psalmist says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's talking about a person. God, but tasting. He said, deep down inside, you know. <clears throat> he says, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus, I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. Soul food. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're going to sing as our closing hymn. Not now. When we get there. But uh, I love that beautiful hymn, How Great Thou Art. You know, Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. Okay, well, we talked about this last week. She says, my uh, spirit is rejoiced in God, my Savior. And well-meaning people say, aha, there that shows Mary, is, she's a sinner. That's not what she's talking about. Yeah, she's a sinner. We talked about that last week. But don't use this as a proof text, okay? In the context, you can see what she means by it. She's talking about the idea that God has raised her up from being a nobody to being something very special, okay? God has delivered her from obscurity. Whenever you see the word Savior, it doesn't always mean from sin. She doesn't know Jesus is going to die on the cross for her sins yet. 
Talking about the greatness of God and him raising her up. And she's so happy about it. She's so thankful. Verse 48. She says, uh, I was a nobody. I'm going to be famous. Look at that. Behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. Now, unfortunately, they've kind of overdone it in some places and, and departed from the Bible. Okay, but listen, don't let that detract. She's a godly woman. And and look, she had a pretty good experience, I think, you know. Huh? When God became a man, when the Messiah came, he was born of a woman. And that woman was Mary. Out of all the people on the earth. That's pretty special. And she recognizes it. And she's excited about it. Uh, you can tell she also is filled with the Spirit. Filled doesn't mean, you know. It means controlled by the Spirit. You can tell she's controlled by the Spirit, like Elizabeth. You know why? One of the, one of the uh, main indicators is she has uh, got a whole list of the attributes of God here as she praises God. I mean, you've almost got a little mini theology here as, as she just uh, pours her heart out, heart out to the Lord. Uh, First, verse 49, he who is mighty has done great things for me. Man, that's good. Mighty. That includes everything from sovereignty to omnipotence. And those are two different things. But they're talking about his might. And uh, her thought is completed with those last two words for me. This one who spoke the heavens into existence has done great things for little old me. Personally. Isn't that great? You know, when I ask, like the psalmist, why does God even think of me? Who am I? You know? Let alone doing great things. Next, holy, His holiness. And holy is His name. I think here, the idea of holy, it means a lot of things. Mainly being separate or totally other. God is not, not like anybody else. Okay, there's nobody like him. Let me put it that way. And that's what she's saying. There's nobody like him. Mighty, holy. Uh, Verse 50. First attribute. His mercy is on those who fear him. Again, she's thinking about the wonderful favor that God has shown her. Now, the word for favor is typically... Grace, don't don't get too theological on me here, dogmatic. When she says mercy, she doesn't mean delivered from judgment. She just means, again, here I am, a simple nobody, a nothing. And he has looked on me and raised me up into a high place. That's that's what she means by merciful. Uh, Another attribute, verse 50. What is it? He says, she says, his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. What's that talking about? Okay, long-suffering, patience. Not exactly. That, that deals more with his putting up with sin and so on. What, what do you think? Try faithfulness. From generation to generation to generation. Okay? Aren't you glad God doesn't change? Now we're talking about immutability. That's another attribute, by the way. But they're linked, his faithfulness and his uh, immutability, his unchangeableness. When he says he's going to do something, 
You can go to the bank on that, as they say. It's going to happen. Talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, okay, so immutability, faithfulness. And then finally in 51 through 53, he sa- she says, He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. She's contrasting herself with like rich and powerful people. She's not rich and powerful. She's engaged to a carpenter. Okay. She's a nobody. Now, when you read this, you know, she's not saying, man, I hate those rich people. I'm glad they got it. You know, she's not saying that. She's saying, uh, praise God. He is not influenced by money and power. You know, like people are. If God were like people, you know, when Jesus came, he went, went, went around look, t- taking the top layer, the rich and powerful, or what do we say, the rich and famous, you know? They, they'd go to be with him, and all us ordinary folks would be left behind. Isn't that the way we do it? You know? Praise God, he's not like a man. I can go to heaven. I'm a nobody. The reason I qualify is because I'm a sinner. That's what she's saying. Praise God. I didn't have to be rich. I didn't have to be famous. You know? In fact, people who are like that, Jesus said it himself, they tend to rely on that stuff to make a standing with God. And so they tend to lose out as a result. They're self-sufficient. They don't feel like they need God. You know? When you're poor and, and lowly and, and brokenhearted, as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, then God sits up and takes notice. Okay, and so she's talking here about uh, certainly his justice. Okay, talking about his goodness, talking about his kindness. We could go on and on. And then finally, his faithfulness again and his truth in verses uh, 54 and 55. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Here, she realizes now, uh, not very many people know this. In fact, it's uh, her and Elizabeth. After all these centuries of telling Israel, there's somebody coming, there's somebody coming. He's Messiah. He's going to come. You know, and they keep waiting and waiting. And when's he going to come? Finally, she says, he kept his word. The Messiah at last is coming. And I'm his mom. Okay. No wonder she got excited, huh? You can excuse her for this outburst. So we've got three outbursts here. First John, then Elizabeth, and then Mary. Okay, then finally, just briefly, we'll look at it and see, well, how does this apply to us? It always amazes me. By the way, when we read this, this should have reminded you of the Psalms, did it? A lot like the Psalms, isn't it? You know what else it's very much like? Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel. Okay, again, uh, a mother, it was actually after uh, Samuel was born. In fact, it was, believe it or not, as when she was giving him up. You know, man, you talk about a godly woman. It's when she's parting with this kid she's been praying for for years. And now she's giving him to the Lord. Here you go. Thank you. I had him for a few months. He's weaned. You know, and now I'm going to give him to the Lord. 
takes them over to Eli. And that's when she has her prayer just like that, praising the Lord. Well, God's no man's debtor, of course. And she had a lot of other kids after that, as did Mary. Okay, well, applying this to us. if I'm always amazed at how the psalmist and, and people like Mary here can praise God so eloquently and, and in such a, a joyous fashion. And yet they didn't know a thousandth of what we know. She didn't know that this was God come in the flesh with the, for the very purpose of dying on a cross for her sins so that she could go to heaven. Now, I say those words, and you're so familiar with them. Oh, yeah, I know all that. Man, hey, wake up. That's not trivial, okay? That's wonderful stuff. She didn't know any of that, but she's excited. If she should get excited about the things that God has done, I think we probably should too, you know? In light of not just what we know, what we've experienced, what God has done for us. We can say this, what he has done for me. Okay, first person. What the psalmist say? Let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Say so. Peter says you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. God's own special people. To do what? To proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You want me to interpret that for you? It says, God saved you so you can tell other people how wonderful he is. That's what he's saying there. You, that you would proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We need to do it. Take an example from Mary. Just to begin with, you know, we said she uh, talked about God, my savior. She was mainly talking about a, a deliverer, one who raised her up, you know. Wow. When, when we would say this, God, my Savior, do you understand the difference between what we mean and what that means? God, my Savior. You know, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his shame. How wonderful it is that thou, my God, shouldst die for me. Wow. That's staggering. You know, the, the angels still are blown away by it. God, my Savior. Uh, 48 and, and a little later, Mary is moved again by her lowly state. You know, that this mighty one would even think of her and do something. Can we do that? You know, were, were we what you might call lowly? Listen to some of the, the phrases that God used to describe us, dead in trespasses and sins, without strength, without hope, without God in the world, condemned already, ungodly. I could go on and on. And yet, as she says, he regarded me. It means look at, you know, or more importantly, take notice of and do something for. So he didn't just, you know, look at you and see you or me, he did something about it. He regarded our lowly state. Praise his name. Now, uh, I don't know about this. Uh, generations will call us blessed. 
we're not going to be famous because we're Christians. In fact, more and more nowadays, you're infamous if you're a Christian, you know. But um, I'll tell you, the, the angels are going to marvel when we finally all get to heaven and they see us there, hell-deserving sinners, praising the Lamb, wearing the robes of righteousness, the righteousness of God, higher than they are because they're not adopted as sons. Okay? Jesus didn't die for them. They're on the outside looking in. And they're going to look at us and say, man, how blessed they are. You know? Um, 49, he who is mighty has done great things. We've had whole messages on the great things that uh, he has done in, in our position in Christ. Just review and really think about these things. You have salvation which includes forgiveness of sins, cleansing from sin, justification declared righteous. I don't, I don't mean by the opinion of some Gallup poll. God himself states that you are righteous with the righteousness of God. Adoption. You know, he loves you so much. He doesn't just want you as a friend. He wants you as his child. And he's done it. The papers have been filed and finalized. And then on top of that, we have an inheritance. We have a place in heaven. We know Jesus told us that, right? And it's not just a place. It's one he's prepared. Okay? Isn't that cool? You know? It's like um, when you have a... I remember whenever we had a baby, you went and prepared the room, you know, before they got there. Right? Hang up mobiles and paint the room, put up wallpaper, whatever, put all the furniture in there. You go to a lot of work getting it ready, you know. That's what Jesus is doing right now. He says that. He's getting the place ready for us. Man, I can hardly wait. I'll tell you, he he did a good job. You're not going to have to worry about the decor, okay? (laughs) But it's not the place that I'll promise you. If you know Jesus, it's not the place. That's going to be so neat. It's going to be seeing the person face to face. Great things. And so because of all that, he's, he's going to return for us. We're going to see his face. And then finally, as First uh, Thess 4 says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Good night. Wow. I, I love it. God's really the only one that can use the word forever. Did you know that and mean it? We use that word, I'll love you forever, or I'll do something forever, you know. I'm sorry, you're going to die. <laughs> okay. Um, and if she, she uses the word mercy. Boy, can we ever use that? We, when we use the word mercy, it means literally that. Spared the judgment of God, which we so rightly deserved. And then she talks about showing strength. God showed such power and might on our behalf. Do you know that? You know, we don't often think about that. Ephesians says this. Paul was praying for them. He says, I I pray that you'd understand something here. And the reason he's praying for them, because it's such a big concept, it's hard to get your hands around it. He says, I want you to understand what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us. 
according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in heaven. That kind of power. Mighty on our behalf. Well, uh, 52 and 53, we talked about the the uh, contrast between the rich and the poor. Mary, who was lowly and uh, rich people. And uh, that brings to mind, of course, you know, you think of 1 Corinthians, how not many mighty, not many rich are called. I am so glad that you don't have to be rich. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be handsome. You, you don't have to be, uh, you know, powerful. None of those kind of qualifications. I qualify for heaven because I'm a sinner. And then finally, 54 and 55. Now, 54 and 55, she praises God for his faithfulness and his promises to the nation of Israel in bringing the Messiah. And that's wonderful. I'm not from the nation of Israel, so I don't relate to that so much. But I can thank God that he had also been promising a savior all that time. And he did come. And I wasn't left out when he died on the cross. You know, like Paul said, the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay, well, we could go on and on here, but I'll tell you, if Elizabeth and Mary and John have something to be excited about, boy, do we ever, huh? Man, Uh, I love that verse and how great thou art. The hymn writer, if he wasn't inspired, he certainly was moved by the spirit of God. You know, when I think that God, his son, not sparing, Send him to die. I scarce can take it in. That on that cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. And he says, when I think about that, then sings my soul, my Savior, God to thee, how great thou art. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, how thankful we are. What a blessed people we are. What a privileged people to know you. And we thank you, Lord, that you have done so great things for us. You say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Lord, loosen our tongues. Uh, This needs to be spread abroad instead of suppressed. Lord, uh, may we be found with your praises on our lips when you come back and make it soon. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.